It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen. Thanks for tuning in. We've got another brilliant show in store for you. Tiffany Cherry alongside Mark Allen. We've got a new world number one in men's golf, Marco. Kari Webb, seven-time major champion, has been nominated as the new captain of the Australian Olympic team. But there's bigger news than that, (laughs) which trumps it all, potentially. What have you got? The Kari news is big. I'm really happy for her. Yeah, me too. Before we get on to the Tiger Woods and and what we think is going to happen. Kari taking over from Ian Baker Finch is enormous. It really is good. The Olympics, I wasn't a big fan. Probably still aren't. I mightn't even play if I was up there. Really? Yeah, it's not my go. You wouldn't put on an Australian tracksuit? No. You're kidding me. No, I don't think golf should be in the Olympics, but it doesn't matter. Oh, my God. I still think, it's just my opinion. Yeah, fair enough. And everyone's got their opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What I think... The honour that Kari has got uh, is just brilliant Mm. and it makes sense. And, you know, when you talk about who's won the most majors in Australian golf, people always say Greg Norman or, you know, the next question is uh, the last one's Peter Thompson. Then, you know, if they're lucky, they'll get David Graham with two. Seven. It's it's Kari Webb and she – it's time, you know. It really is time that she's elevated and that she's put on the pedestal that she so richly deserves, and this is just the first step. Absolutely. And I think it's brilliant. So I'm really happy for Kari, and hopefully we can get her on before the next Olympics or maybe when they're down the track or something. Well, she's in, back in Australia, and she flew in to Not Melbourne uh, for the yeah. press conference early in the week and was super excited about it and, uh, and, and I believe incredibly honoured yeah. uh, to be uh, – to, to be in this position. But the news that you are talking about has got us all a little bit excited. Now, at the Masters, uh, this week we've got the women playing in the amateurs, which is just great. Kirsten Rutley, look out. I think she's going to win the thing. But the week after is Augusta, and they have a past winner list. Now, not all the past winners play. In fact, some have been told that's it. Some um, elect not to play. Most have, you know, who are who are playing are still on that list. And would you believe it, Tiger Woods' name is still on that list. Now, if you watch social media, uh, he's been practicing. uh, Little bits and pieces are coming out there. But what Tiger Woods always does, he plays this week. He plays one or two practice rounds at Augusta. Now, this will be significant, Tiff, because we saw him in the father-son at the start of the year, at the end of last year. He was battling around the course. You know, he had a he had a golf cart to get around, uh, which you know they gave him. It was great, yeah, fantastic. Well, he was stuff. only still seven eight months post. Yeah, most surgery. people know Augusta is the hilliest golf course that they probably play in professional golf year in year out. If it's not the hilliest, it's in the you know it's on the days. So whether he can actually do this or not is the question. So these practice rounds this week, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, I've got no idea, but I reckon half the thing will be. Am I hitting the ball okay? The other half will be, can I walk up and down the hills at Augusta National? And so, the other component will be, how does he pull up? How does he pull up? Now, that, that's the best one because, you know, you can play four, four rounds of golf, but when's the next time you can play four rounds of tournament golf and, you know, a practice round and, if need be, the pro-am as well? So all these things are factors in what he's doing. Look, he knows the golf course very well. He's always just played nine holes on Tuesday, nine holes on Wednesday, and gone into the tournament that way. He's done all his preparation for the golf course in this week that we're now that we're now in. Um, I'm excited. Mm. I, I'd, I'd really, I don't care if he shoots a couple eighty twos. It doesn't matter. 
just having him there would be enormous. Oh, it'd be huge. The other one too, it's 150 years of the Open Championship as well, the British Open. So that one's at St Andrews this year. Um, if he's not playing at Augusta, I really hope he gets to this venue where he's won a couple of times. Um, and, we, and we see him getting around St Andrews and, and the 150th because that will be a significant occasion. Um, but yeah, you know what? I think he's playing. I agree with you. I, I, I think he's and playing. And I think part of that for me is that I'm just praying that he is, but uh, it would be enormous. The other big news I mentioned, of course, we've got a new world number one, Scotty Scheffler. That's right. Who has started with a bang for the never won right. on the PGA Tour at 25 years of age, and now he's gone bang, bang, bang. So the timeline goes uh, Super Bowl morning. Uh, he had never won a tournament. That was 42 days ago. <laughs> so he'd never won a tournament in golf. He goes out and wins in Arizona. Bang. A couple of weeks later, he wins at Bay Hill. Superb. And now he's won uh, the World well, Match Play, the yep. Accenture. All significant fields. You know, the fields were really, really strong in those. Arnold Palmer's events, always a strong one. Uh, Arizona, not all the best players go, but it is a very healthy field. And this one, you know, Texas. the world's best are there. And then in front of – he went to college in Texas. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he's from New Jersey. So. so what do you reckon? He hasn't won a major. Do we need to fiddle with the major ranking so to give them more points for him to be a number one player? I think probably – you know, I, I do. Um, to go from never having a tournament win, just have a good six-week period and you're number one in the world, yeah, don't know about that. He was asked by the... But it's significant. He was asked by the commentator, you know, what does this mean to your game? And he yeah. said, look, he'd actually never even dreamt of becoming world number one. For him, it was really just about, you know, getting out there and perhaps um, winning a tournament, of course, or winning more than that. But, uh, but the world number one had never been part of his imagining. And so it was just beautiful to see him celebrate with his family and obviously the emotion of it, um, really impressive. I oh, know. We've got a nice grab of Sheffield a little later. I reckon we'll play it with Martin Blake when he comes in with all the news a little bit later. But, yeah, it was a beautiful moment, uh, that. And you can see how much it meant to him. Uh, from Dallas, Texas and... Yeah, who knows? He's got an unusual swing to be the world number one. I'll give you that. Now, we've got a couple of guests coming up on the show. But before we um, go into our first guest, just Lucas Herbert. Did you watch what happened with the yeah. his close putt and then it lipping out and then he went again? What were your thoughts on there's been a bit a lot of well, bit of uproar about how he th- see, tossed the market to his Yeah, I think it was a par putt. And uh, so he's made bogey. And he had a par putt anyway, two footers. So he's going to win. The, the little miss... I don't think counted. I think people have made that mistake. So you can actually, you know, in, in, in match play, you're not really supposed to putt out a turn. So I think it was more a concession when he when he tapped the second one. I think it was just a concession. Um, the commentator's going, oh, what's he done there? It, it was just a concession. So, look, you, you can miss those putts. It happens every day. It happens amongst us who go out and flop the ball every single day. It certainly does. Anyway, hey, we've got a nice guest uh, on the line who's been playing pretty well. Speaking of the PGA Tour, we know that this is the top the top tour in the world, but there's so many players, Marco, that never get a mention. They're just toiling away. Um, it's not a bad way to toil away and uh, and no, have, have a job. But there is one guy on the tour who uh, who hasn't tasted success for a long time, and uh, it's great to welcome him to the show. He grew up in Warrigal. Uh, he now lives in North Carolina, and it's fabulous to welcome Cam Percy. Finished tied for fourth on the weekend. Welcome to the Australian Golf Show. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Cam, I just wanted to ask you that those tough times that I that I touched on. How long has it been since you really tasted not necessarily victory, but you know what you would term as success um, on the PGA Tour? Yeah, it's really it's, it's such a hard tour to win on. Even the good players really, like a Lee Westwood and these guys, win once. So winning 
I mean, you grow up winning, 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 and then you come up against better players like, oh, it's really hard to win. And then over here, it's really, really hard to win. So uh, a lot of your success, I mean, winning is what we're all trying to do, but we're playing for so much money these days. Your success sort of, you start looking at how much money you're making and all that sort of stuff. And I, I think just you get blown away by how much money we're playing for. And it's hard to get down on yourself when you're making three quarters of a million dollars a year. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think you, you need to make about a really million to keep your job, don't you? And I lost and I lost my card, but it's like, man, I made you know, I don't know, can't exactly remember how much it is, but the amount of money we're making, it's really hard to get down on yourself, I guess. Cameron, uh, you're one of the favourites amongst the golf media in this country because every once in a while you just continually poke your head up and have a finish like you did on the weekend. Tied fourth, you made $165,000 US, so you know over $200,000. But you're one of these players that keeps on putting smiles on our faces because you're still there. You're still plugging away. You're still, you know, trying to, you know, stretch out this this career of yours for as long as you possibly can. How are you doing it? Because you're approaching 50 years old. Like you said, you're playing on the, you know, the strongest tour the world's ever seen by a long, long way, in my opinion. How do you keep on bobbing your head up and moving forward? I think, Marco, I've just been really lucky. I've had really good coaching growing up. Um, Steve Band, Darren Cole, those guys growing up, and they're just in. I'm really lucky I've got a really good golf swing, I guess, and I just hit the ball mm. really good still at my age. I'm still reasonably long, but not obviously like I played with Jonathan Vegas yesterday. He hit it 40 yards past me consistently, but I can still hit it okay. And I, I think my strength is I can literally go 72 holes and I just almost become a robot and I just. I'm never, I never hit one offline, if that makes any sense. And I didn't this week. I hit one bad shot for 72 holes. So that's my strength. I've just got this ability to play 72 holes and basically be in every single hole. So I remember playing with you when you first came out in a New Zealand Open and we were playing a really tight golf course. You hit driver everywhere. Um, yeah. And you hit the ball quite yeah, astonishingly. The driver was incredibly good. Why the driver? Why are you such a good driver of the golf ball? I don't know whether if you ever played Warrigal Golf Club, that's where I grew up. And it's Jason Dawes. Um, he, he grew up when I was playing golf and he was, we'd go out and just hit driver everywhere because every hole is about 300 yards long. Yeah. And back then you sort of get it pretty close and you see so you'd hit driver close and, <laughs> and it was so tight that. When you got to another golf course, you're like, oh, wow, this is so easy. Look how wide open it is. So. It's funny you say that because uh, Craig Spence, another country boy, um, he always said that Dorsey was one of the best hitters of a golf ball he's ever seen. So it's amazing that we're talking about why you hit the ball so good and you've got two of the best probably the country's ever seen coming from a little country course in Warrigal. Yeah, and, and I started playing golf and Dorsey was already playing for Australia and get travelling around the world for you know, amateur stuff. So I was like, oh, that guy's pretty good. Oh, I'm just going to try and copy him and, and all that sort of stuff. So I was lucky that I had someone that good to to push me up and get better. So you've had a – we spoke just um, before off mic. It's pretty ordinary start to the season in your own words. But what clicked this weekend in the Dominican Republic? About um, four weeks ago, I played in Puerto Rico and spent a bit of – had a practice around with Greg Chalmers. And Greg Chalmers is not playing much anymore and he's going into coaching. And I said, dude, I'd love for you to help me with my putting because I, I can't putt I, to the standard over here. I, I'm not mm. a very good putter and my chipping and pitching is not very good. He goes, all right, I'll film some, I'll have a look. And he gave me some advice. And then I actually roomed with him last week and he gave me a bit more advice and it's, it really kicked in and I've gone, 
seventh, fourth, just on a couple of little things Greg's told me. So, so I, I was, he was using, hanging, was, Cameron. You've got to tell us what they were. Well, I was using um, four degrees of bounce on my lob wedge, right. which is I've grown up in Australia. That's what you do because it's so firm. And over here, I've, you know, Jordan Spieth does that and Phil does. So I'm like, oh, I'll just keep using four degrees. But my chipping had got so bad because it's all so wet. Yeah. And Greg, Greg's like, dude, what are you doing four degrees? Get rid of it. So I just... I gave it to my son, or a friend actually, to use, <laughs> and I got an eight-degree bounce, and I chipped the ball beautifully last week. I chipped in twice. Nice. Um, um, that was huge. And then a few putting things he's helped me out with were massive. So Great lift. Um, so- just, just a little bit of um, tempo and stuff like that, which I hadn't thought much about um, with my putting. And Greg's like, oh, when, I play, when I putt, I'm always counting one, two, one, two, one, two. And... I, I, on Sunday, I putted really nicely, and I was just counting the whole time: one, two, one, Easy. two. You've got um, that's all it was. Something as silly as that. Maybe uh, who knows whether this will improve it. Hopefully, it, it won't affect your golf game. You've got eye surgery coming up this week, I believe. Um, is that just part of being out in the sun, and you know, and and that affecting yeah. you? What what's the what's the? I've always I've, I've had poor. I've had really bad eyesight, and my contacts are at plus five, and you can't go much further you. than that. So I cannot see anything close to me. So no wonder you can't putt. You yes, probably can't read right. the green right. Last, last <laughs> year, about May, I started, I can't, I can't read my phone. I can't read the yardage book um, <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. Like I'm scared I'm going to sign for the wrong scorecard. I have to get my caddy to come in and check my card because I can't see. And there's this new ther- um, surgery over here. It's called lens replacement surgery. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like it's having amazing. cataract surgery and they're literally going to replace my eyes. So. I get my left one done Wednesday and my right one done in two weeks. Man, I had a friend who had it done and straight away, perfect, Can, and both long and short. So I uh, get yeah. ready to be happy. Yeah, that's for money. sure. Uh, hey, what about your kids, Liam, Ashton, Tyler? Are they playing golf yet? Liam's 15 and all he wants to do, he practices more than me, which is um, a bit embarrassing. <laughs> that's my job. But um, he loves it and he's right in it. He's, he's, got a floor, he's got a really good golf swing. But the hard thing with kids is they grow on the equipment. Um, like his irons are flawless, but his driver, he's, the shaft's wrong. So I've got, I've got to work out. As they get a bit stronger, you've got to change the equipment, which is pretty hard and quite expensive at their age. Hey, I want to go back to when you started on the PGA Tour in 2010. Pretty early on, you were looking down the barrel of tasting uh, success in Las Vegas, and you missed winning by a hole-in-one. Can you tell us what happened? Bloody Jonathan Bird. Jonathan Bird, it was dark, and Jonathan Bird and Martin Laird said, we want to stop. And I said, let's play one more hole with the putt Oh, no. And they said, all right, we'll hit off, and if we can't putt, we'll come back in the morning. And Jonathan went up there and holed a six iron because at the time I was number one ranked in the, in the, on the PGA Tour from the distance we had. Oh, you're kidding and me. I, and, I, and it's a perfect seven iron for me, and I'd already hit it close in the – and I'm like, this is the perfect seven iron. I'm going to birdie it and win the playoff, and I'm going to be away. Yeah. And Jonathan got up there and hold his. And oh, how Martin stiff! Hey, um, how, just, how and just before we say goodbye, I think you're world number three hundred and twenty-five or six thereabouts. But uh, we just we've just seen a new, and we were discussing at the top of the show, a new world number one who in Scotty Scheffler, who's won three times this year, and the only times he's won on the PGA. So you never know your luck; it could turn around. But just uh, your insight into Scotty, you've played along, yeah. played with him. Played, I played with him about three years ago, and he was on the Corn Ferry Tour, and a buddy of mine had just started caddying for him, and we played together, and he hit it everywhere. But he shot like four under, 
and he was really good from like 20 foot. He held a couple of 20 footers. I'm like, he didn't mean play any good. And he still shot four under. And, and my Scotty goes, yeah, he's really good. And Scotty caddy for him for a while. And Ted Scott, unfortunately, has taken over and he's gone win, win, third win or something. So it's a bit rough for Scotty. But I mean, what he's turned into, I didn't see him being the number one in the world, that's for sure. Because he's uh, oh, a little, little bit erratic and all that sort of stuff, but he hits it a lot straighter now. But he's still a fantastic putter and chipper. As we let you go, he's a 25 year old. I reckon you should be looking at Blandy. That's where I'd be getting my inspiration if I was you. How about that, Rice? Unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. Unbelievable. There's enough golf courses we play where prodigious length doesn't help. I mean, you can still, you've just got to hit in the right spots, but. It's becoming less and less. I mean, the tour over here, it's all Bryce and smash it as far as you can. Mate, we love watching what you're doing, mate. You're a star. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, great to see. Great to hear. And uh, all the best for the year. You never know. You're tied for fourth now. Let's see what happens over the coming okay, months. Thanks, yeah, go to sleep. Thanks, Cam. Good luck for the, the week ahead with your surgery. <laughs> what a good man. All the best. Hey, we're going to follow him because when he gets his new eyes, and that's the way he put it, and the new lenses are the new eyes, this could be really interesting to see what happens. What sort of an effect it has. Right. Well, yeah, I'm number one on the tour. Oh, he's still there. He's still there. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you're right. no, what were you saying? You're number one on the tour, what? In greens in regulation last year. Just amazing. There you go. Okay. New eyes. Oh, Fingers crossed. We're watching. Boom, boom. See you, Camo. Right. Go to sleep. See All right. right. Hey, <laughs> coming up on the show, we have a uh, superintendent who's joining us, but the difference is. There's mostly men who uh, have this hold this position on golf course. A woman is going to join us in Geraldine O'Callaghan. That's up next. It's with great pleasure I introduce our cherry pick guest for this week, who is a trailblazer in the sport of golf across the world. She is one of only a handful of women in this role as a superintendent of golf, which is incredible. Welcome, Jerry Callahan. Fabulous to have you on the show. And uh, can you tell us, first of all, for those new listeners to the sport of golf, what a superintendent is? And in, in fact, it's actually the head greenkeeper, correct? Well, thank, thanks very much for, uh, for having me first off. But uh, yeah, I guess the, the role of superintendent encapsulates a lot these days. Um, you know, one day you can be putting uh, water out on the greens, like I have been this afternoon, and the next day you can be mowing greens or raking bunkers. Um, but nowadays, my role actually entails a lot more mentoring uh, and training of staff and, and overseeing the day-to-day maintenance of the golf course. And of course, here at Sandringham now, it's a fantastic facility and we've got the driving range and also the high-performance area uh, for Golf Australia. So yeah, it encapsulates a lot. Um, and yeah, still part of the team at Royal Melbourne, but uh, superintendent here at Sandringham. Did the leading come naturally to you, Jerry? Uh, I guess you could say it, would, it did because, um, you know, I'm very much a team person and, and I've always uh, hopefully got great ideas and, and great innovations to, to bring to the team. And, you know, I've always loved teaching people and, um, you know, helping them progress in their career or in, even in just in life in general. And I think you find in a big team um, you certainly can fade away into the background. But if you, uh, you know, have confidence in what you can do and um, you believe in your team, well, I think it comes very easily. You've got a not-so-typical um, entry into golf, into the sport of golf. Obviously, you didn't just start thinking you are going to be a superintendent. Can you tell us about how you, you, you first came to golf and, and then how it led to your career now? Yeah, well, I grew up in the country, up in uh, northern Victoria. And, you know, as a kid in the country, you play all different types of sports and sort of fell into golf. Um, one day after school, we were going out the golf club and, yeah, a couple of the locals there uh, sort of took me under their wing and, and I started playing golf about the age of 13, I think it was. And, um, yeah, just loved it from then on. And nowadays, probably not quite as competitive as the younger self. And uh, I just enjoy it a bit more nowadays. But, yeah, the greenkeeping side of things, um, 
you know, I look back on, on life and not having any regrets, but you think to yourself, oh, I probably could have done that a bit earlier in life. And um, But, yeah, sort of went off travelling overseas uh, after some family tragedies in my early 20s and came back in my late 20s and, um, yeah, sort of said to a few of my friends, oh, you know, anyone know of any jobs or anything going? And, and I love – I grew up on a farm, so I love – outdoors, love, um, you know, just sport in general. And I thought, oh, well, greenkeeping could be the go and was offered an opportunity at uh, Sandhurst Golf Club just as a, a general greenkeeper. And, um, yeah, loved it and just took the bull by the horns, I suppose you'd say. And, yeah, ended up um, – uh, it's actually 11 years ago now that I started here at Sandringham uh, when it was in the old configuration and uh, progressed here, obviously impressed uh, the guys at Royal Melbourne enough and ended up going across to Royal Melbourne. Um, and then, yes, eventually – uh, made the um, uh, you know promotion to foreman on the east course over there, which is fantastic for me. You know, as a golfer as well. You know, number mm. six and seven in Australia normally, and I'm you know over at, at Royal Melbourne. Yeah, just fantastic. And um, yeah, you know when the when the construction started here and the redevelopment, I was very keen to come over and you know see things from the ground up and and have a hand in I guess um, the shaping and, and the growing and those sorts of things. And yeah, so I guess did my time and then um, yeah the superintendent's role uh, came up here and and was very honoured. You know had sit down and have the, the chat with Mr Richard Forsyth and he said look you know we'd, we'd like to offer it to you and yeah very very honoured and very happy to be able to run this place. So. As as you should be before I know Mark has got a few more questions to ask you about your, your job but let's go back to your golf game because you're a typical team player you just glaze straight over it you're a scratch player you've barely had a golf lesson in your life you've won a couple of tournaments um, how does the game come so naturally to you? Um, well, yeah, just as I said, going back to playing all different types of sports and my hand-eye coordination is pretty good, but um, actually when I was a kid, I used to hit golf balls at the cows in the paddock. So, um, you know, they were pretty big target practice, but um, yeah, I, I um, was in the intermediate squad, training squad when I was uh, in my teens and I used to come to Melbourne and I'll never forget uh, the first time we ever came to Melbourne. My mum was absolutely, you know, a bit nervous uh, driving in Melbourne. So um, was at the old Albert Park. My uh, dad's the same. Yeah, old Albert Park driving range and um, yeah, just... Yeah, to, to be able to play, especially when you're a kid, to play play with people of your own ability and it just makes you get better. And, you know, Steve Bann and uh, Dennis McDade, a bit a little bit of coaching from them. And then, um, yeah, just pretty much, I don't know, just the natural swing and just the love of the game. So being a scratch golfer, do you see that as a big advantage over other superintendents that aren't? Because I do. Mm. I, I, I really do because I reckon you look for – you know, you look for different things. Uh, the people who play for relaxation and fun, um, you know, they're usually pretty happy if the fairways are good. But I reckon if you're a scratch golfer, um, then you want those fringes to be good. You want the greens to be good. You want the pins to be cut in the right positions. All those little bits and pieces, the one percenters that make up a really good setup in a golf course. Do you, do you feel like you have that advantage? I, I feel very much that it is an advantage. I don't think it's, you know, an absolute necessity, but um, you're exactly right. Like I'll go out and play nine holes after work and I put my members cap on and I go, right, you know, just think of, not really think about work or anything like that and just go, oh, gee, that rough's a bit long or this needs doing and stuff yeah. like that. And, and I, I believe that I see it from, a 45 handicapper, 36 handicapper, scratch golfer. Like I, I pretty much put myself in all their positions. Mm. But I really believe that my love of the game, especially just in general, um, certainly helps me very much so. Oh, I love hearing that you play. I, reckon that I, I think every single greenskeeper in the country should make an effort to play nine holes at least once a week because those things you see. You know, I walk around and you, you see some, you know, some weeds that would be easily pulled out. And I end up doing it myself at the golf club, you know, the ones that, that can come out nice and easily. Yep. So I reckon that's so important. I'm so happy to, 
to hear you say that. Do you actually do you pull out some of the weeds? Do you say uh, around the place? I do, oh, very much so. And and when I first started greenkeeping, like yeah. I said, you know, like sort of, you know, not much background in it. And and I thought I brought to the plate, like a lot of the boys, especially at Royal Melbourne now, will go out and play socially when it's daylight saving. And I teach them about golf and the rules of golf and not only, you know, just the game in general. And mm. so they teach me. So it was a give and take when I first started. And I really hope that that helps them and that helps a game. If a member comes up, that they'll have the confidence to go, oh, this is why we're doing it. Or And, and, and also that's the thing too, being a member, I can talk to the, you know, the, the other staff and say, well, this is how I would see it. And next time that a, someone approaches you or that, you know, this is how you can explain it in, in their terms, mm. nothing too technical and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, so I, I believe it's very much an advantage. Huge advantage. Now, I said at the top of the show you're a trailblazer because you are one of only a handful of women in the country and really around the world there's, uh, there's not that many. For women who are listening into the show who are interested in getting into this line of work, what would you recommend? What's the, What would be the, the best path for them to follow apart from – also, obviously, becoming a golfer themselves and playing the game. Oh, there, there's so many, um, you know, careers in the industry. Um, I think Stacey Peters touched on it when the Athena was on. You know, there's media, there's marketing, there's so many things. But you know, greenkeeping in in general, I think you know, a place like this, a public facility, come and ask questions. Or if you see ground staff, don't hesitate to go and ask them questions. And and certainly, if you're a member of a golf club or or you know someone who's a member, speak to the superintendent because you know we have so much time and you know we're happy to give out any resources. But you know, if you're really Interested, just you know, try and uh, I guess research. Um, there's plenty of you know certificate uh, recreational turf management certificates and things like that that you can study, um, and also anything in horticulture. You know, it might might be that you want to become you know the Heathland vegetation manager mm. or, or you know the tree an arborist even. So. Yep. You did a horticultural course, did you not? Yeah, yeah, I did my recreational turf management course um, and then I went on and did my diploma of, uh, of horticulture as well. And, you know, and, and as like I um, touched on earlier, you know, like you could be cutting down a tree today or you could be, you know, weeding out all the weeds. You could be, you know, applying chemicals. There's, a, there's such a diverse range. It's not just mowing grass anymore. It's so scientific as well these days. So I think it's such a vast and, – and, and like I guess a lot of uni courses and stuff, you can start it and then diverse into a lot of other different areas. Right. Right, Jerry, I've been keeping this one in my back pocket for a long time. Okay. <laughs> I did some uh, commentary at the Athena, and it was a great event. Thank really, you. Really, really, really good. The Thank course you. came up a million dollars. I thought you were pretty tough with how hard those greens were. Those greens were so hard now. <laughs> Tell me the truth. Were you watching on the telly? Were you kind of – did you have a little oh, smile on your face you? when, 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 the, when the girls couldn't stop the ball? And I didn't think anyone could stop some of those balls. Some of the pin positions on the, you know, on the, in the match play. My goodness, you, you know your stuff. <laughs> I wouldn't say there was a smile on my face, but I, I do um, recall I watched one small video and I apologise to Karis Davidson for this and she was hitting into the second for the nearest the pin shot and it bounced – Probably twice as high. I'm not. I'm not a tall person, but it bounced about twice as high as I am. And I went, oh, and that ran. And and Stacey said, oh, that's going to be right on the third tee. And I was like, yes. <laughs> but um, no, look, you know, they. In, in all honesty, um, the day to day running this place, we want people to have the sandbelt experience. And you know, if if they get too hard, then we'll we'll soften them a little bit. But you know, for us, it's it's a lot about, um, I guess, the honour of working amongst the sandbelt on this public golf course, which is pretty much brand new. And you know, hopefully one day that you know to sort of you know. Keep it like it is now and, and people can come and experience it. I knew you'd be happy. Now, this question, it might not be as obvious as saying Augusta, but if you could be a superintendent of any course around the world, excluding where you currently obviously are working at Sandy and, and Royal Melbourne, where would it be? 
I I went to Scot. I was uh, very lucky to travel to Scotland, so I would say somewhere in Scotland. Um, you know, especially around St Andrews, uh, the, the old historic courses there. But I really love the Lynx style golf courses, and I still you know have to travel a little bit more of the world, but um, definitely somewhere overseas. Uh, I was waiting in line. I, I've brought my kids here today. They're going to have a putt on the on the Himalayan putting course, awesome. and, and they're hitting a She's few brilliant. balls on the on the Love driving it. range. And while I was waiting in line, um, people come up and then. Um, just to say hello. And I said, have you played today? And they said, yeah. And they said, how was it out there? They said, it is absolutely sensational. So the proof of the pudding is always in the eating. Uh, how, how many people are actually telling you that the golf course is sensational? Because every single person I talk to, one, loves how the course is looking, but two, even more, loves that sand belt experience. Are you being told? Yeah, we do. We, I mean, I'm very encouraging to the boys to interact with, you know, the, the people that are playing the golf course and they'll come up for a chat, especially when you're hand-watering and stuff. And yeah, most of the people come and say, look, this is fantastic. And I had a guy just yesterday, um, he played another public golf course in Melbourne and he said, can't believe how good these greens are, you know, how, how good you're keeping them. So yeah, we every day engaging with the public, then, um, you know, they're, they're telling us a, a few of them have sort of said, oh, you know, can you slow them down a little bit? Or And I just say, well, you know, you le- need to learn how to play them properly, you know, <laughs> land at 20 metres short and stuff like that. But again, you know, the public punters love that they can putt from yeah. 30, 40 metres off Absolutely. And, and things like that as well. So we're, we're very happy. And I mean, my ta- my staff, I'm very honoured to be able to work with such, you know, passionate people as well as what I am. So it's, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Congrats on what you've done. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and I know, um, you know, some people wouldn't like to hear this, but they do say that Sandy is very, very similar to Royal Melbourne and one's a public and one's a private course. There's a big difference in uh, in how much money you pay to play at each one. So congratulations to you. It's absolutely brilliant and uh, it's brilliant to have you on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, it's just been fantastic. All right. Well, Jerry Callahan there, who uh, is a Chief Superintendent here at Sandy Golf Links. And coming up next, we've got all the news around the traps with Martin Blake. And that's going to do it. There's a new number one. His name is Scotty Scheffler right here in Texas. Okay, you are now the world number one ranked player. Can you describe the emotions of this moment right now? Uh, no, I, I, I really don't know what to say. Um, I'm just really pleased. I, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Scotty, with the grind that comes with five days of match play championship play, and you're playing against competitors like who you played this week, I mean, what is it like to balance all of that while also trying to win this championship? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough week. It's a long week. I I, uh, I think I figured out kind of my routine throughout the day where, um, you know, just try and keep some energy. <laughs> but I'm pretty worn out right now, to be honest. It seemed like you were smiling a lot out there. How much fun did you have during the course of this week? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a dream come true to play in front of, you know, my hometown fans here and going to school here. I have some good memories around this golf course and coming out and watching this tournament. And, you know, I'm pleased to be playing in it and, you know, even more happy to win it. Yeah, you're the world number one in front of your family here in Austin, Texas. How cool is that? That's pretty cool. <laughs> Can you talk about what you learned last year being the runner-up and coming to this championship this year? Last night, the thought process that went into this grind of a day yeah honestly I think last year I got I got worn down and um, I was fighting some stuff in my swing at, at the time and I've worked really hard in the gym and with my coach and and trainer to kind of get things to where you know my endurance is a little bit better and you know I've really done a good job of shaking those bad habits and I, I knew what to be fighting against today and I just kept making good swings and um, you know just just kept grinding Scotty congratulations thanks appreciate it there's the voice of Scotty Scheffler, the new world number one. And Martin Blake, great to have you on the show. Um, 
There's so, some people be scratching their head saying, who is Scotty Scheffler? I think Scotty Scheffler might be <laughs> scratching his head. Is he? It's, uh, is it a bit of a quirk in the in the world rankings? Yes. I, I know that you suggested that before, Mark. The, I, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and just mention one fact for you yeah. in relation to this. In the four majors last year, Scotty Scheffler was in the top 10 three times yeah. and in the top 20 in the other one. So... That surprised me when I saw that because he's a guy that has just been floating along and we haven't noticed too much. Yes. But he was playing pretty well in the majors last year. Now he's had three wins in 42 days. Yes. That's my stat of the week. So, um, yes or no. But it is a bit of a surprise. I've it is. Say. Well, John rahm has been solid for two years straight, winning all along the way. Look, it's just not – does it feel right? It doesn't feel right? No. Until you probably look at everything he's done in the last two years. Uh, but just three wins in the last seven weeks. In the end, doesn't quite feel well, right. Well, he finished his best at a major, was tied for fourth at the PGA Championship, I think, last year, I think, or 2020. Yeah, that, well, one of them. Yeah, yeah. so it's, not, it's, it's, it's a nice finish. Yeah. But, you know, you normally associate being world number one with either winning tournaments or losing in playoffs or – you know, really performing quite well, like Lee Westwood. Remember, Lee Westwood had a run there for a while when he was. You know, Donald did as well. Didn't he? It was amazing. Yeah. Look, yeah. Donald got yeah. to number one. So, in the end, it's a computer ranking. It's a rolling ranking over two years. Over two years, and we haven't got anything better. So, I think yes, it's great it's a bit, to it's a see bit quirky. a new name. You know, and and who knows? I mean, this run could continue, or he could fall off. He's obviously the playing and- absolutely great. Um, He's the world number one the last seven weeks. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> exactly. It's meant to be two years. So <laughs> it was an interesting weekend. Uh, you know, Wade Ormsby was 12th in Qatar on the DP World Tour. Uh, Ewan Ferguson from Scotland won that. Travis Smythe from uh, New South Wales was 10th in Delhi on the Asian Tour. Uh, Minji Lee, 23rd in Carlsbad on the LPGA. That's like missing a cut for her, finishing 23rd. That's a bad She's week so for good. Minji. Yeah. We've got the uh, the women's, the first major, in fact, of the year is coming. Chevron Championship this week. Rancho Mirage. Not sure whether either of you have ever played there. It's a bit of a resort. It's, it's where they jump into Poppy's Pond. I've yeah. seen they, Curry Webb do that, yeah. of course. I don't like the scheduling for that. I wish they'd fix it up because some of the best amateurs in the world are going to elect to play at the Augusta Week and they miss out on playing in that ma- uh, that first major as an amateur. So some of the girls that, have to make a choice. That is a, a very poor piece of scheduling. Yeah, uh, and it's been the, like that for three years, Mark. Well, the Augusta National Women's uh, Tournament is, is on this Aussies? week. Kirsten Rudgley from Perth and Emily Mayer from Queensland are both in the field. It's the first time we've had... Mm. Two women in that field, and but they they would have perhaps liked to have you know taken yeah. up an Absolutely. invitation to play in that well, major, you know, more so the American players. Well, Kirsten was asked after she won the Vic Open amateur title, and then the Athena beating a host of uh, of our top young um, women uh, pros when she was turning professional. And she said, "Well, she's got this amazing opportunity, so we'll have to be after mm. playing um, at Augusta." But uh, yeah, that's. Well, e- every year, every single year you hear a story, you'll read a story this week that this young lady chose not to play in the first major of the year and elected to play at Augusta or the other way around. They elected to play in the first major of the year and, and not try their hand uh, at Augusta. So well, we'll you'll read to, stories this week, so, but it needs to be fixed. We'll talk to Kirsten next week, in fact. Um, she's playing Ting off tomorrow, but we wish the two what, ladies what all the experience. best. Uh, that Chevron Championship, uh, first major of the year. We're coming up to the Masters, of course, so we're rolling into some really big golf. Uh, Sue Oh, Hannah Tiger? Green Hang playing. on, don't. don't. What, what do you think about Tiger. Well, Tiger Woods is still on the list for Augusta, but it, it remains to be seen whether he plays. I think he probably will. Um, 
Soon Otherwise, he would have, if he wasn't going to play, he would have taken his name off by now, wouldn't he? That's I, how it works, isn't I, it? I so. think so. But yeah. he'll definitely play practice rounds this week. So that, that'll be the... That'll be the key. The second you hear that we he's We discussed playing, this before. Why doesn't he take a cart? Because his ego won't let him. His right? ego won't let him. I, I, well, I, I can understand If he that. applied to get a cart, surely they would give him a cart. That's a really, would. really interesting question. Because at a tournament in the PGA Tour, they'd probably go, yeah. But would they at, Augusta, at Augusta National, they run their own race? True. That's, yeah, they that's run their own sure race. But the thing is also, what, would the, what how, would the other would you, players say? That's the big thing. Well, how would you get the cart? I mean, yeah. it's Tiger Woods. How would you get the golf cart from one green to the next With tee? all the crowds. With all the crowds. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it would uh, be a logistic nightmare. Yeah. Um, I don't think they would, personally. So Gabby Ruffles missed the cut on the Epsom Tour this week, but is playing in the major this week. Great to go. see her, her back playing a little. She doesn't have... Much in the way of playing rights, Gabby. She's a sensational young player uh, who, like her brother Ryan, is just uh, finding her way. I mean, she was in the top 20 in this this event last year, which is why she's in the field. Um, I just wanted to mention uh, Keegan Bradley, Marco. Uh, I saw oh. a tweet on this, uh, Tiff. I'm not sure whether you you saw this, but Keegan Bradley, I wonder if he's, he would be playing in the Masters, I'd imagine. He uses the same Point Express uh, putting system, which is yeah. very popular in the way pro, pro ranks. It's, it's yep. where you straddle the line of the putt with your feet and you – you feel the grain, or oh, sorry, the the gradient of the slope on the green through your feet. With your feet, how? Uh, you, you just you take do, your shoes off. With, no, but just with practice, and you, and you see how the players doing it. Like Cameron Smith uses a lot it of from time to it. time, but he he takes fifteen seconds to do it. Where Keegan Bradley, how long would you estimate he is taking just to line the putt up? A couple of minutes just to line a putt. Just and he called in his caddy, and the caddy came and did yeah. did the aim point as well. So I don't know. I wonder how long aim point has got. Uh, it's obscene. It it, it is. It, it's ridiculous to watch because what scares me is monkey see, monkey do, and kids will be doing it. Yeah, you know, amateurs it, even people. People are new to the new to the game. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And it, it it'll it's, send it's, people it, crazy. It's not good for the game of golf. I, I don't even like the line drawn on the ball. To tell you the truth, I think that's to me that that's shooting fish in the barrel. Yeah, and it, it takes time. And then when you're playing, when you're playing with uh, juniors, you know, like I do, I play with a lot of the kids around the place, and to see them line it up, get over the ball, and it doesn't feel right, then they go and. Oh, do you say fast games a good game? That was no, about, no, when no, I first no. started playing. Just kind of that's it. all my dad ever said. Fast <laughs> games a good game. <laughs> yes, here for a long time. Here for a good time. It's yeah. a favourite that one. But no, look, I just watch them and see what they do. But uh, a lot of that time can be eliminated with uh, a stroke of a pen at the RNA and the USDA, where they say you cannot draw a line on, on your ball. You can't use a line to point it where you want the ball to go. It would be an easy rule, and no one would even know. Do you know what? You know, ever since they've taken away the green reading books, that scores have gone up. Oh, uh, wow. got, sorry, we're playing golf. Scores have gone down. There are lower scores. There are lower scores now. So those those green reading books were gone at the start of the year, and we are seeing record scores every week. So under the uh, chairmanship of M. Allen, a new commissioner of the tour, the, the green reading books are gone. gone. The aim points gone. gone. Can't ball draw on, on your the, ball. The line on the ball's gone. Gone, and the ball's rolled back. And Gone. the size of the yeah. driver here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've sorted it all. The Australian amateur is on this week at Cranbourne. If people uh, tune into this 
uh, a little later. They might miss it, but uh, it's a big one. Uh, Harrison Crow's playing, who we had on the on the on the podcast or the program last week. Jack Buchanan, Caitlin Pierce, who's winning a lot of amateur events on the women's side, is is in the field mm-hmm. trying to get a Kari Webb scholarship. I think there's a bit of a neck and neck battle for the Kari Webb scholarship. Two players who get to go over and stay and practice and uh, watch how Kari does things. So good. Kirsten Rudgley would have been in that field, but she's in Augusta. Just back on to, on Kari, you were all you were rolling out all of the media and the you know the, the interest in her being nominated as a new captain of the Australian Olympic team. Just give us your summation of, of that news. I think it was a, a no-brainer, as Marco said. Uh, once Ian Baker Finch indicated that he wanted to move on, she was a, a very obvious choice. But I, uh, one thing that I didn't, I didn't think the media picked up too much on it, she's going to captain the men's side yeah. as well. Yeah. In that, that is she's unheard of. Captain. By the way, yeah, that is unheard of. She's going to captain, let's say, Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman or Lucas Herbert or whoever, whoever's there. She's going to be the captain of those guys, which is unusual. But it just shows the respect that she's held in that they're happy yeah. to do that. And I reckon the the guys. Marco, oh, I'd be interested mate. to know what you think, but I, I would have thought the guys will be absolutely fine with that. They will be in awe. You know, well, she, Carrie Webb was somewhere where I was the MC not, not long ago. And I gave, you know, there was lots of good people in that room. I gave her the greatest intro of As all time yep. because she was so far ahead of the rest of the world in her prime, it wasn't funny. And I, don't, I just don't think enough people recognise just how good Carrie Webb was. She was... Yeah, there was a time where it was going to be a, a playoff, a match, just a, a match race between Tiger and Kari, and when Tiger was at his best. Yes. So I, I, I just love this, and I think the guys and the girls will be in awe of her. No doubt. Our she won a golfer. US Open by, women's Open by eight shots. Yeah, there you go. That's the biggest event in women's golf. So around 2000, 2001, she was untouchable. And, uh, yes, she's, it's great to see her back. And a freak. She was yeah, a freak our greatest golfer. golfer and one of the greatest sports people Australia's ever produced. Marty? Marty. Martin. Yeah, no, Marty. Martin, what do you think of the Martin? new room? Oh, oh, I love it. We are in, here yes. for our listeners. Thank you for it doing this. It is so course. good to be able to actually see you and uh, and not do this over the internet. But brilliant. Yeah, so we'll be inviting uh, uh, any guests that can come in in person Thanks, to God. join Thank us in you, the sir. green room. So, yeah, we'll see you uh, next week. It's a big week. Augusta, of course. Coming up, we've got Marco's Masterclass. I'm looking forward to this one. All right, Marco, have you been uh, looking at the new world number one or you you got something else up your sleeve you want to teach, teach yeah, us? Look, I was going to have a look at that world number one and his footwork and, and uh, show you uh, or talk about what uh, Scotty Scheffler does with his footwork, which we've never quite seen before. It's very unusual. Um, and I was going to give you the right way to do it. Go on. <laughs> no, no. In a nutshell. No, no, no. I'm not going to do it this week because what I heard Cameron Percy talk about a little earlier in the program. Now, Greg Chalmers was his roommate last week, helped him with his putting, and that was just a simple one Two, just getting the rhythm right. Now that is so important. We've we've actually spoken about this a little bit before. Mm. With the, you want the backswing and the and the and the follow through to be similar length. Um, but what I heard Cameron say, he's been using a low bounce sandwich in soft conditions uh, in America, and he's a poor. That 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 just blew my mind. I mean, he's 47 years 47. old. He's 47 years old and he's been using low bounce on soft conditions in America for a long time. And the reason he did that is because Phil Mickelson and Jordan Spieth, who practice their chipping more than anybody else in the history of mm. the game, those two, can do it. Now, if, if you practice two hours a day, you don't need bounce. You can – well, I'll say that again. If you practice for two hours a day and have hands of gold – you don't need any bounce. 
You can make good contact anytime you like. Mm. But if you do not practice two hours a day and you do not have hands of gold, then get as much bounce as you possibly can get. I don't care whether it's soft conditions or hard conditions. It makes the game easy. Now, I practice my chipping a lot, and I didn't like bounce either, um, and I could do it. These days, I've got the highest bounce of all time. I'm using the same sort of technique, and thank goodness I do, because I, I hit tiny little drop kicks all the time, and you'd never know, and the ball just goes close to the hole. If I did the same sort of connection with low bounce, I'd hit way behind the ball. There wouldn't be any kind of drop kick, and the ball would go six foot in front of me, and I'd be embarrassed. All right. So please, if you're out there and you're stuck with some low bounce lob wedge of the past, get rid of it, get some high bounce, and just make golf easy. Well, that's a little bit too complicated for me, so I'm looking forward to the video I'll show you that. Well, I can do the video right now that we've got this new uh, beautiful place to do it in. So I, I'll look forward to it tuned. on Twitter. Absolutely. Big week coming up. Of course, we've got the uh, amateurs, the women amateurs, and then thereafter, we've got Augusta The week National. after Augusta. Yeah, Cannot wait. Right. Can't so, wait. Good on looking you, Looking forward to next week. See you then.